This Week in Startups is brought to you by Peloton. Bring an immersive, empowering, heart-pounding cardio experience to your own home. Go to OnePeloton.com and use promo code TWIST to get $100 off of accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike. That's O-N-E-P-E-L-O-T-O-N.com and use promo code TWIST. LinkedIn. You need LinkedIn jobs to find the right people for your business. Post a job today at LinkedIn.com slash TWIST and get $50 off your first job post. And 8sleep, the first bed engineered to improve your sleep through dynamic cooling and heating, detailed sleep tracking, and more. Try the pod for free for 100 days at 8sleep.com slash twist. Upcoming launch events. Apply for open office hours with Jason on Monday, August 26th. Get candid feedback with the potential to be featured on This Week in Startups. Apply at officehours.launch.co. Get your free Founder Pass or purchase a VIP ticket for LaunchScale in San Francisco, October 7th and 8th at launchscale.net slash tickets. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome to This Week in Startups. I'm here in Los Angeles, my second hometown, uh, where I spent a decade of my life building companies and investing in companies. And I decided to meet with some great uh, entrepreneurs here at NetSuite's studio in Santa Monica. Thanks to my friends at NetSuite for allowing me to use their studio. That was really helpful. Uh, and my guest today, Alvina Beck, is the co-founder and CEO of PodShare, P-O-D-S-H-A-R-E. Now, before you think this is a social network for sharing podcasts, <laughs> no, it is a real estate startup that allows people to live in pods for a fraction of what the rent would be in a major city. Did I describe it correctly? That's right. Alvina? Yes. How did you come up with this idea? And how many people do you have living in pods? <laughs> so the only uh, one thing to add is that it's membership, ah. meaning it's like a gym membership for housing. So if you are purchasing a pod for a night, a week, a month, you actually have access daytime and nighttime transfers across the network of locations. So as our network grows, so does your access. Got it. How many um, pods do you currently... We have in how many cities? Yeah, how many So we have 220 pods across Los Angeles and then one in San Francisco now. Oh, wow. And there's that seven locations. And you have to think of it as more of like a neighborhood version, like a micro look at neighborhoods where each pod shares anywhere from 1,000 to 3,000 square feet across different neighborhoods. So we have Downtown Arts District, Los Feliz, Hollywood and Vine, Westwood, Venice, and in San Francisco, it's on Post and Hyde. Think of it as places that are unaffordable, so we're at a 50% discount to share. So in Los Angeles, what does it cost to have a pod membership? 50 bucks a night, 280 a week or 1000 a month. So for $12,000 a year, yeah, I can live in any one of those 6 or 7 locations. Yep. And do people actually move from location to location night by night? Not by night. They're just basically are apartment hunting. And so they're like, let me figure out if this is the neighborhood for me or they're job hunting. So they don't want to commit to that annual lease. And then they're also roommate hunting. So they don't want to find them online. They find them in person. So ah. like, oh, you know, you and I would get along. You wake up early. I do too. You're relatively clean. Let's go get an apartment together. And it's usually within a three mile radius. So it's like a try before you buy model. So are people using it for also maybe staying for an extended period of time? Like- You've been doing this for four or five years, I think. Actually, since 2012, we started. But oh, really, wow. in the last four years is when we really ramped it up 300%. The first few years, I was, you know, just only had one location. And it was really hard to convince the city and convince landlords and convince people to share. The sharing economy really helped like, dive that concept in. Like, going to people's random cars and going to people's random homes have been allowed, like, now group housing. Let's let's give right. up something but gain, gain price and location. Um, so... 
so 70 about 75 percent of the 220 people are over a month in, right now like today speaking um there's like an 85 percent occupancy and of those 220 beds we have a pretty good male female ratio it's like 54 46 like and, and are the people typically young people new to the city or because i watched one of your videos and it seemed like there were some 30 or 40 year olds yeah. also using it, which I thought was either strange or <laughs> interesting or? Well, 35% of millennials are living with mom and dad. So in order to get out of mom and dad's house, they'd love to live in the city, but how do they afford it? So if you think about like just moving into a new place, so around 27 to 32 is our average to answer your question. But like yeah. if you're moving to the city and let's say you had like $7,000 is what they recommend and you're looking for an apartment, you haven't had, mm -hmm. you don't have a job yet. So you're like living off that $7,000. If you're spending a hundred bucks a night on a like looking for a place, you're really going to tap into that security deposit really quickly. But if a thousand dollars can get you a month, you can spend a lot more time finding that right place, that right person, Got you it. know, and, and get a job. And what is the equivalent if somebody was going to get a studio apartment in these locations? Has to be fifty percent more, so around twenty. 200 to 2600 and then uh, in san francisco is even higher you're like 3500 for a bedroom wow yeah you're really expensive there and so you said before like you're giving up something yeah you're giving up your privacy that's right, that's right. we have uh, a triangle and it's cost neighborhood or privacy and pick two what would you it. pick yeah i would pick privacy and you would and and get the neighborhood best. yeah oh yeah. you would pick privacy and that means high cost or yeah i don't care but <laughs> When I was younger, I actually lived in my office at Sony. There you go. And there was a gym downstairs, and I would sleep over in my office under yeah. the desk. I had a windowless office. It was basically a broom closet yeah. that I could sleep in. And I would go to the gym three days a week and take a shower down there. Wow. Um, and you're, was, you're a demographic. This is what we have. Yeah. We have a day pass, which is $15 from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. People living in their cars, going to the gym, and coming to Podshare, basically their shower, use the Wi-Fi, eat our food. It's oh, so really? Have day passes yeah. for that, too. Fascinating. Living now, in their cars. Are, so people are giving up a little bit of privacy, yeah. saving a lot of money, and getting a great location. Um, now, are they also there because they want to be part of a community and they're lonely? And then just at a technical basis, I've seen the video, but describe for people what the living arrangement looks like and why you designed it as such. Yeah, so we're definitely different. A lot of co-living startups have really popped up in the last couple of years. And we definitely look different than them. Um, so we take commercial buildings, that's like the kicker here, and we change the use to some sort of group housing use. And then we use the the height in those commercial spaces to do double-decker pods, which are like a, like a, like a, you take a stairway to the second level and you have five-foot clearance downstairs and you have five-foot clearance upstairs. So you're not like crawling in or using a ladder you know, you're comfortably getting up there and you have a flat screen, you've got your personal outlet and you have your nightlight. And we think those are kind of the essentials. Yeah. Nice. to share and otherwise everything else is common areas so even though you have 50 square feet to yourself really how big is your bed and everything else is breakout space you got a, a stocked kitchen utilities are paid for no security deposit you got parking in some you got a huge yard in the others you've got amenities uh and you got friends to your point yeah. now these uh pods they're basically a bed with, that are about four or five feet high. Mm -hmm. You can keep some stuff in there. There's a shelf. There's a TV. Mm -hmm. Is there a door that closes? Because when we think pod, mm -hmm. I think about Japan where they have pod hotels. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that was yeah. your inspiration. No. Well, okay, it's funny, right? Because the word pod, right? Yeah. Uh, but I those have... close and yeah. you enter them like, feet first. Exactly. Like they're kind of... 
I don't know if that'd be, yeah, they'd be vertical, not horizontal. Yours are horizontal. But doesn't that kind of remind you of like a veterinary clinic or like a morgue? You know, like what it's do you, sort of you know, it yeah. is, right? It's yeah. the, it's not community. So when you think about a community, you think like of a circle, you think yeah. inclusatory. Um, so on pods, you write your name on it and everybody faces each other. So you really get to know people. But the you don't of, close the you door. You don't close the door. Do you okay, have a curtain? We don't even do curtains because it's a co-ed space. It is like a no privacy. And the reason is, so we have a, a, a rate of collision, we call it. It's like the rate at which you and I make eye contact, we meet, we grab a joke, cup of coffee. Like the rate of collision is much higher at a pod share than it would be at a, like a micro unit or an apartment building Got or a it. home because there's just a lot less privacy, <laughs> frankly. So if I'm going to sleep, I'm going to wake up and the person across from me on the bunk is going to be doing what you're doing right now is looking at me <laughs> and smiling. <laughs> And we're going to be like looking at each other when I wake up. Good morning. Good morning. And that's <laughs> basically, but you don't, you don't, you could slide and build like a, a door or like a screen, like a Japanese, you we know, could. rice paper type screen. Yeah. But you don't. We don't. And it's a choice, right? Because you're yeah. right. We're building these custom. I go to Home Depot. I, yeah. I load up the lumber. I get it delivered. I get plywood from low. Like I could. It's you could. super easy. You decided not to. I decided not to. And I still decide not to. Really? And yeah. people ask, is that like the number one ask? Can my pod close? Yeah. Well, they ask. They're like, why do you choose not to put privacy? And it's almost become like a sticking point. So I kind of appreciate it. But the, fr the Frank, uh, it's co-ed, right? Yeah. Yeah. And when I did a test and I was like, I don't have all the answers. I just throw stuff out and see if it, you know, I watch the people. I live in pod chairs too, by the yeah. way. It's my main, it's my main domicile. And when I see people like tenting, essentially putting a curtain over the top, that the high, there's such a higher risk of two people like hooking up and that's great, but it's really inappropriate for like everybody else in the room or like an individual person like be behaving like inappropriately. Right, well, you, you know went what I mean? there. Yeah, I went there and it wasn't, you went there. it wasn't clean. <laughs> okay. Hold on a second. So, um, People are young people. Yes. Maybe even older people might hook up, have sex. What is the rule in pod share? Is sex allowed? No pod sex. No pod sex. No pod sex. So if you're coming to pod share, <laughs> you're gonna be abstaining. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Unless you go Tinder, go to someone else's house or you know, Got what, it. bumble. And what do people think of that? And do people break that rule and then you've had people break the rule? And then they're out. Really? You yeah, kick them out? absolutely. Hands down. You, you sign a terms of use that basically says like, more or less no hanky-panky. You just don't break our rules because uh, it's inappropriate. But not to say that we're against it. I, I honestly- if So you, you're not against sex? Not against sex, but right place, right time. Got it. You know, you can, and again, it goes back to the triangle. You want to pay cost? You want to like, you want to yeah. get great neighborhood? You got to give up privacy. Right. Unless you have all the money in the world, then you get all three of them. Right. And it's called a hotel room or it's called yeah. an apartment, a one bedroom, maybe a two. Got it. So you're taking, you're converting like lofts and commercial space? Is that yeah, right? like I, I did a, a marijuana dispensary. I'm doing a karate shop right now. I, yesterday, I just got note that Santa Monica is letting me put group housing in a, in a 3,000 square foot commercial like warehouse looking building. So huh. I'm having a lot of fun with the cities pitching why group housing is what they should allow in their cities. Not just, you know, apartment buildings where it's like a large building and there's a hallway and it's room, 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 room. I'm saying one large open room got it. with people. Are you looking for new ways to get in your cardio and your very busy schedule? Well, you know what to do. You need to get a Peloton. It is the best cardio machine on the planet. The Peloton bike will make you rethink how you look at cycling 
classes. It's immersive. It's empowering. It's heart-pounding cardio experience that's going to get you in world-class shape thanks to their world-class instructors and that real-time motivation and having all that convenience of having it in your home. No driving to a gym, no trying to find parking, no delays, no costs. Nope. You wake up, you roll out of bed, you get a little hour in between phone calls, half hour, you can just go and sort through all the different courses and all the different instructors and find either a live one or you can get one that's been taped already and do it on your own schedule and you get that class leaderboard so if you're a little competitive like I am you can see yourself moving up and down as you are motivated to compete with not only yourself but everyone else oh it's so much fun and you wear that nice heart rate band so you know how you're doing and it tracks calories and resistance and cadence and output all that great stuff I just love to look at the heart rate myself it is a great cardio workout unlike any other stationary bike you have to get a Peloton I love it you're going to love it and here is a great limited time offer go to onepeloton.com and use the promo code twist O-N-E-P-E-L-O-T-O-N.com and use that promo code twist to get the $100 in accessories okay Let's get back to this amazing episode. So the city of Santa Monica or Venice, they know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. This is not like you're doing this on the slide. No. Uh, or maybe in the beginning you did. Everyone does in the beginning. Yeah. Even Uber wasn't legal, in the, right? And it's still kind of... I don't know. You know like I, as far as I'm concerned, we had everything buttoned up. <laughs> Scooters, you know. I mean, everything Scooters. kind of disrupts one way or another. So, but the city is like it. Yes, they're because embracing it's an, it? Because it's an affordable housing. Group housing is an affordable housing measure because when you break up $1,000 a month into flexible payments, people can afford it more. So if you don't have a G, you just go 280 and then you figure out three weeks in, where can I get the rest of that money? You mm. know what I mean? Um, another point to the privacy question, I envision PodShare, remember it's, it's, it's group housing right now, but I actually envision it also allowing like a more private portion. Mm. You just have to pay a little more and I of imagine h- tiny homes being a part of the network Got it. but right now it's the reason why posture is important you pay two rents when you travel so you're here in LA right now right. but you're paying for SF right yeah. so you're paying two rents what if you could transfer your rent what if you were living in a housing ne- network that wasn't just pods you know it was yeah. also micro units and it was also tiny homes but you can transfer your, your 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 physical and you can leave your stuff in a storage somewhere there Yes. So there's no waste. So if I was living in the San Francisco pod and I went to New York for three weeks, I would pack up my stuff, take it out of my pod, put it in a locker or in the basement locked up. Exactly. Ah, and people you, want to not have possessions. Is that the other thing? People access, are, not ownership. Exactly. Like there are things that like, do you need your own iron? Do you need your own washing machine? Can you share the toothpaste? Can you share the hair dryer? Like there's just, I'm going to go with my own toothbrush. Ah, Yes. You could go with that. But, but the I would share the toothpaste. Yeah. Yes. And the body wash and the toilet paper. I mean, there's things you don't have to worry about. There's a fixed cost to housing with PodShare. And just the question of where do you want to be is the question. Is this profitable for you or is it a nonprofit? Is it a business or is it a passion project? It's definitely a lifestyle brand, as you would call it, and a passion project. But it's definitely a profitable one. I'm self-funded this whole time. I know that. That was super interesting. You have self-funded this. To this point. To this point. You did a Kickstarter for 20 or 30 grand. With yeah, it was 30K. Just amazing don't... video. <laughs> it was satire, guys. It some was of the, satire. Some, some of the comments are like, I can't believe she's sharing a toothbrush. And it's like, we took sharing to the extreme in that video. It was a joke. Right. Um, it but was yeah. like a Dollar Shave Club inspired. Thank you. A hilarious video. Inappropriate oh at times. It was a little racy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a racy little, for sure. Yeah. I think you have to be occasionally to, when you call something out like this. But no, to your point, yeah, I, I self-funded and then I crowdfunded and then I got a private uh, debt and then I got bank debt and then I've just been self-funding it off the profits. 
So where do you see this going in five or 10 years? If you keep up at this pace, you had said you had six locations? Yeah, six. I do like two a year. So you do two a year. Yeah. So in five years at this pace, you would have like almost 20 locations Mm -hmm. or so, which means you would triple the number of pods. You'd Mm -hmm. have six or 700 pod Mm -hmm. people. Uh, Where do you see it going? Do you see yourself raising venture capital and making this like a competitor to we were Mm -hmm. and we live? And what do you think of what they're doing? Are they competitive or not? So- I'm totally open to venture or PE or a syndicate for real estate. I think all of that is really interesting. To this point, it's been like it has this marriage, right? And it has to be a right fit. I've been really hands-on. Like I said, I live in the mm. pods and, and my team lives in the pods. It's really important that whoever does join our journey like really believes in it and would actually spend the night there. It doesn't have to live there, but just like understand what we're doing. And so that money also has um, trust in it and trust in what I've been doing. And I think the point of not taking it for all this time was to prove my my worth and my knowledge in this in this field um an idea would be like franchising sub markets not the main markets not the chicago not the miamis not the bostons you know but i mean like like franchising just the little towns or places that like joe and jane's can run themselves whether they're retirees or post-grads um a lot of people don't want nine to five jobs and this is a great way to run a pod share make awesome money uh, off so of a it. franchise could be an interesting for sub markets though for sub market i think we as hq whether it's with venture or with a real estate fund i think we tackle the harder places where you know but the smaller places i think it's a great empowerment have you been to Tony Shea's trailer park in Oh, Tony Shea. Yes, yeah, I have. From it's Tony Robbins. Yes, yeah. I have. It's really cool. That's yeah, I've exactly... stayed there like three times, four times maybe. Imagine that's the third tier of the community. Yeah, that's an interesting, I think, model where he's got a bunch of Airstreams and tiny homes on a, an old parking yeah. lot. Yeah, I've been there. Super cool. And it's kind of fun because you stay and you have your own private mm-hmm. space, but then you can go out and, you know, uh, sit by a a fire pit yeah. and meet a bunch of people and exactly. play, you know, cards or, you know, scrabble. Exactly. But imagine you can then take that uh, that park and put it in uh, on the East Coast or maybe mm-hmm. another country. And again, you just pack up your stuff and you have unlimited uh, transfers across a network, a housing network. Are you putting your inventory on like the Airbnbs of the world? Of and the world. OTAs, they call them. Yeah. Yeah. So do you put them on those? Yeah, and do you get absolutely. people who are... You know, just in town for three days, staying for three days for 50 bucks a night. Yeah, they do. And that's and it's a short term and a long term play, which helps both. I mean, in one case, new money gets brought into new local businesses. And then on the other case, long term people, they can't stay in hostels because they kick them out after three weeks and they don't take locals. So I definitely have like uh, someone from Ah. Venice, for example, right now getting his house painted and he's been with us for three weeks as an example. Ah, Hostels only allow you to stay for three weeks. In America. Is that a law in America or is it just a tradition? It seems to like they want that traveler. They want the traveler. They are Got specific it. about what they're interested in and they don't want you living there. Got it. But we do. We want you to use, we want shared housing to break down walls, literally like the isms and the phobias. We think by bringing people together in small spaces, mm. we're actually going to be less bigots. What about the co-ed nature of this? Have you, because we have now gender specific uh, yeah. co-working spaces mm-hmm. you've got people sleeping and living like the wing is co uh is a female now. actually i guess you can't say female only because they got sued mm-hmm. for being female only gotcha. and now they're have men what's the equitable part is what you're talking about so i'm a co-ed space because it's males and females first come first serve it's very equitable uh, it's not like her room is bigger or his room has a better view right but people don't want to have women on one side and men on the other or has that request they can choose in? it one thing i've been kind of toying with and i really want to put on the internet is like the name um just like the first name gender where you're from and maybe occupation of every person that's checked into a pod share so you can make smarter booking decisions just uh, small data but then you can say oh, i don't want to go to that pod share because it's like 90 percent males or i don't want to go there 
because it's like 90% Australians and I'm from Australia. Yeah. Um, something like a little bit of data around your booking decision because you're not getting that right now off of Airbnb or off Kayak or off yeah. of Craigslist. You don't really know who's in the space. And it's not, I don't think a privacy concern because it doesn't give a surname, a personal information. It just says, here's John. Yeah. John's from America. It seems like Airbnb's biggest hurdle early on was getting people, and you sort of alluded to this originally, to get used to the concept of renting somebody's, sharing. yeah, and sharing, renting somebody's extra, whatever, loft, bedroom, guest house. Uh, and security was the main issue. Mm -hmm. It seems here security would be even a bigger issue Actually, or the not. Opposite. Yeah, opposite. So when you go into a room, that's when you can rummage through people's stuff. That's when there's one exit. You close that door and you're like screwed, literally. With Pacho, you always have two points of exit and you have so many eyewitnesses and RAs that live on site that one yelp and you're like, what's ha what happened? What's going on? Not to mention, actually, what, someone had a seizure for the first time and it wasn't even staff that jumped in. It was the other pedestrians that were like, are you okay? Let's put you on the side. I happen to be a nurse. And they actually helped him because they could see him. Imagine there was a curtain there and he could be you know, having a seizure behind a closed yeah. and we couldn't help him because we just didn't know. Got it. So I think safety is in large numbers and in a pod share model, it's safer than a room that someone can go behind and hurt you in. I actually buy that argument. I think that makes total sense. You put cameras in the shared areas too? Shared only, not the private bedrooms because well, that's illegal. Yeah, 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 yeah that yeah, would yeah. be very But bad. in the common rooms, absolutely. So you can't bring anyone home. It's members only. Got it. And so you have RAs there. Yes. And to your point about, you know, boarding houses are 100 years old and also founded by female, just a little tidbit. Yeah. Um, in the 20s in Chicago, tens, in the 1910s and 1920s, there was 2,400 women that were just coming to Chicago to be like working at department stores or cleric, to clerical offices. And they were pre-marriage. They were just coming in for a few years to like, make, you know, get some independence. Right. And they were staying in these boarding houses. Right. So it's kind of funny that we're using the boarding house use in the code, in the zoning code and group housing. It, and it's, it's funny that we're female founded. This was something JSTAR just did an article combining uh, pod shared with the uh, Eleanor Club. And I was like, wow, I didn't even know this piece of history. Uh, yeah, you know, that's interesting. I knew somebody who lived in a woman's only residency in New York off Gramercy Park. And wow. I was like, this is the most expensive real estate. It was right on the corner of Gramercy Park in Manhattan. And I walked her home one night. We had Grubas gone, and she was actually embarrassed that she lived there. Really? And I was like, tell me everything. Yeah. I'm super fascinated. And she's like, yeah, it's only this amount of money. But it was only women. And it, it might have been the Eleanor Eleanor. Club. It might have been if that super was in cool. multiple cities. And it's, it was philanthropic, so they were able to yeah. charge very little. And the point of the argument was like, well, pod share is a poor, for profit. So they have to, like, they can't really charge these little prices like this woman was paying um, as much as we want to. We're, we're, we're renting at market rates. So What's our hands the worst are tied. thing you've had to deal with then? Like, have you had any oh, people get crazy or? No, the worst things I had to deal with isn't even crazy because you can literally they call the police on them or point to the terms of use, give them their money back and ask them to leave. The worst part is when someone says, I can't pay the rent. Can I pay tomorrow or can I pay next week? And actually, this happened yesterday, but this happened like and, I, and like, how do you look someone in the face and say, I'm sorry, but we don't take IOUs because we've been burned so many times. But there are such low-income individuals living amongst these people that are traveling with a fine, you know, incomes, and it's like the have and the have-nots. And your heart breaks when they tell you, "I don't have any money." Like, if you don't let me do this, I have to go on the streets. And you're like, "Oh my god!" Right. You don't want to be a homeless shelter, but it would seem that there is a transition out of actually homelessness that pod share would actually be good for. Absolutely. We're talking to a nonprofit about that, like using the pods, because right now cots is like the only thing they're using or maybe something like bunk beds, but you're wasting all this extra space. Pod share, we could do double or triple decker even pods with a stairway that goes up. And our design, every 50 square feet can fit two to three people in a dignified way, not like sardine cans yeah. or these cages we're talking about. And um, Get so ready to be hated because <laughs> literally a bunch it's temporary. of- temporary. Well, here's the thing. 
no good deed goes unpunished, right. and you have a, a hysterical mob of dystopian liberal, accusations. Well, it, there's a whole dystopian thing that you have to deal with. We'll get into that. But if you actually presented what you're doing uh, for homeless people and helping them transition out, you would be by a certain contingent of hysterical liberals on Twitter, and I'm a libertarian slash liberal, but I'm not part of the hysterical group, who would literally attack you and say, how dare you force homeless people to sleep in pods? Yeah. And you'd be like, okay, because right now I've got hipsters and professionals <laughs> for it. and yuppies doing it. Yeah. But if I were to do it with homeless individuals and helping them transition, people would literally rain fire on you. It's true. And you should ignore them. Yeah, thank you. Uh, but you've done a pretty good job because you seem like kind of a badass. <laughs> you remind me, we had Sophia Amorosa in that chair just a couple of days ago. You kind of remind me, yesterday, you kind of remind me of her and that you don't give an F, do you? No, I just have a goal and I'm going to I'm gonna just reach it as, until my last breath, essentially. Yeah, you seem to just not, yeah, care about other people's opinion of what you're doing. Is, I think am I right? I, I think it's a good mission and I have no apologies for it. You get criticized pretty consistently oh, from yeah. what I see. Yes, you do. Um, the people are, are like, mean. this is dystopian. And I just thought, well, wait a second. Then does that mean every college dorm room is dystopian? Or when you go skiing, every ski house has a bunk room so you can fit more people to yeah. go skiing. Yeah. It's is this dystopian? <laughs> and how do you respond to the idiots and maniacs on Twitter? Or do you just not even respond? No, I do. I respond to all of them, in fact. And then my team says, stop. And I said, no, because I believe in this mission. I'm going to defend myself. And I think this is, and if you don't, if you just let them keep talking, I feel like they think they're right. But if you say you're wrong and here's why, I feel like maybe they'll stop talking. And they have. Um, so the question of dystopia, I always say, look, we're a byproduct of high rent. People, I don't know if they're upset about the double-decker pods or if they're upset about how much they cost. Meaning, uh. if, if the pods were not $1,000 a month, I think people would be much more comfortable with them. Right. And I wish they were, but the problem is that I'm paying anywhere from three to six dollars a square foot. Right, because you're in the most expensive places. Exactly. So what am I supposed to do? I'm not a nonprofit. I am self-funded, and I have costs. Right, and it's not like you're making some killing on this. No, come on. If I yeah. was, I'd be buying a bunch of real estate. So far, we don't own anything. Right. Uh, we're trying uh, on an SBA loan, though. You know, so it's like we're super grassroots, and it kind of does suck to be like attacked when you're like female immigrant living in her place. Um, you know, just trying to do like we're, I'm living in them because I want I want more of these in the world, and they're like attacking you like you're some like someone said we were venture backed, and I was just like a like a like a ploy, like I was just here as like a face, ah. but then there's a bunch of money behind me, and yeah, <laughs> you might be. Venture back after this episode because I am fascinated with solving housing. We have an investment in a company called Blockable yes. that is doing modular housing um, and they hope to build developments that could be low income uh, for homeless people transitioning, people transitioning out of poverty. Uh, and then also people who want just a dope ass, you know, starter home. Yeah. Uh, all of that. And they're developers. And I, I, I'm looking at what you're doing and I'm wondering. Put in the membership. Is there any way to put Blockable in a housing membership? Well, yeah, that would be interesting. But also, I think you've got it right. What if you had one of these that was, you know, whatever, five train stations out of the center of the city? So right now it's a thousand a month. Yeah. If there was one that the rent was one third. That's the franchise submarket idea. Yeah. 
I think we have different strokes for different folks. Right. And like, you want to pay 500 a month, go to those franchise submarkets, or we do them ourselves, and the land will be cheap, and it's a McDonald's version of a franchise. You know, you so buy I the think land. that's the could be the big win for you because then you would have people who would say, you know what, I want to spend the thousand mm-hmm. and walk to work mm-hmm. in San Francisco, yeah. or I want to do it in Alameda or Oakland you know, or somewhere outside of the city center and pay half. Yeah, and that's where we probably need venture because yeah. we only have the bandwidth for the big ones right now. But if we had a bunch of money, we can hire the operators or again, the franchise model means yeah. we don't have to have a lot of money. They're paying us royalties and commissions to basically go do it themselves. So what basically more income would be, because I only have so many time, uh, hours in the day and I'm going right. to focus on SF, LA, Prime, SD. Right. Hiring somebody for a job. It's not as easy as just putting an ad in the paper or putting a job description on some rando job board. You don't want those kind of candidates anyway. No, when you're growing your business, you need to reach the right candidates at the right time. And that's where LinkedIn comes in. You know LinkedIn. I know LinkedIn. We're on it all day long. I love sharing my clips of my podcast on LinkedIn. I love reading the news on LinkedIn, the social feed. I get so much great information on LinkedIn. That's why 600 million members visit LinkedIn all the time. They get the connections over there. They go there to learn as a professional and discover new job opportunities, obviously. And there's all those passive job seekers. Maybe they're looking, maybe they're not. Well, 35 million job seekers visit LinkedIn jobs every month. That's right. 35 million people explicitly looking for a job are on LinkedIn jobs every month. You're only as good as your people. And speaking of great people, here's CMO Presh creating a job post on LinkedIn in minutes. And he posts his job and he creates some pre-screening questions, super important. And here we go. We're going to identify some preferred candidates and he puts in a little bit of a budget and then he can see how many people will be looking at the job posting and LinkedIn auto-populates candidates they think might be a good fit. So they're getting better and better at this at LinkedIn in figuring out who to put your ad in front of for your job and then telling you, hey, here are people who will be great candidates. So get $50 off your first job posting. Go to linkedin.com slash twist. Get $50 a fitty from me, Cal, and my friends at LinkedIn. Go to linkedin.com slash twist. Again, linkedin.com slash twist and get $50 off your first job post. It's such a generous offer that, of course, terms and conditions do apply. Let's get back to this amazing podcast. What does New York think of this? Because I know New York was running some trials on, because there used to be laws about the minimum square footage of an apartment, Mm. which was 350 square feet or something. Now, they moved that down because those original laws, my understanding in my research was, those were so families didn't live in those 350 square feet, Mm. but those are being now have one person or two people in them, not a family. So now they're making micro apartments that are 200 square feet. But those are residential. Remember, I, I'm attacking yeah. commercial. And yeah. so I don't have that same residency. Group housing is basically a high density living mm. in commercial spaces. So I'm right. taking like office use basically. And I'm taking, I'm, I'm saying these offices aren't performing and we have enough of them. Let, let's put housing in them if the ceilings are tall enough. And then you just have to make sure they're safe, I guess. Life safety. So two forms of exit, the fire sprinklers, um, fire separation walls. But that's all just money and time. But the question of time is, let's say you own a building and I want to put a pod share in it. Are you going to give me free rent for 10 months or am I gonna have to pay you rent for 10 months and then that's kind of the shitty thing because then I have to ask the city why does it take 10 months to get a change of use now we get a bunch of Uh, them going at the same time and we have to get creative like is there an existing tenant can we put something in there for 10 months that's with the existing use just to pay the rent minimum Um, you know is it not up to code and you as a landlord have to need 10 months to get it up to code like all these scenarios Mm. give us buying time but you have to get the change of use use. yeah but once we do they're solid for decades 
Right. So you can get the city to say, this was a factory. I'm okay with changing the use to, to density. Exactly. Do the communities try and stop you or do the communities like it? Because now, uh, you know, one of the big complaints in San Francisco was, well, where are the firefighters mm-hmm. or the teachers. waiters, the teachers, the uh, you know, baristas, whoever, you yeah. know, a, a cleaning person, where are they going to live and how far out do they have to live and how much suffering do they need to have? So I think if the price point was affordable, they yeah. would support it. If yeah. it was, um, but as far as what I've gotten so far, the neighbors basically like them longer term. They're like, we'll support group housing, but you can't take away our parking and we prefer it more on the longer term than the shorter uh-huh. term because we don't like Airbnbs. Essentially, all the neighbors have a thing against Airbnbs and the party houses we have a law against that I think either we passed or they're, they're having a, like a Airbnb had a kind of a bad effect on the city. Ah, so you're now making sure no parties at yours. If no, you no, no. 10 p.m. quiet hours. Oh, really? Yeah, 10 p.m. quiet. Now, that doesn't mean you can't like so associate. Just basically go in the lounge or the TV room or the yeah. office or whatever and just talk phone calls. But just in the bedroom, it's 10 p.m. quiet hours Got and it. outside. Lights go out. Turn your phone to vibrate and whisper. And whisper. Got it. Uh, and have you tried to raise money for the business? I'm curious what people... Think investors, angel investors, real estate investors. Are they looking at this and going, that's too far out there? Or now you seem to have proven yeah, the model. Finally. Well, I think when I first started, they're like, oh, you only have two locations. Then like, you're only in one city. Oh, you only have this many, this much inventory. So now I'm like 220 beds, seven lo- locations. Like, I don't really have much that people can say. I think the question now is like the size of the check, right? Um, if we're going to go like big, like you're talking about New York and you're like, what's the laws in New York? I can't even tell you because I don't have lobbyists on the ground. But if we can hire great people to basically uh, interpret our what we've done in LA, it's a template essentially. How do we take this LA template and put it in your city or New York or Chicago and and it just takes more expensive people let's say human capital and which takes funding so unless it was a large enough investment yeah. I don't know if it really is going to make a difference what about large homes I know that this has been a thing in college towns forever yeah you know there's some six seven bedroom like old mansion and yeah you know some fraternity or sorority or group housing you yeah know, six seven eight people rent it or maybe they have two people per room and it just gets you know uh, you can sort of utilize those old homes and instead Victorian of Victorian homes. Yeah, like yeah. instead of having two people living in them, you could have 15. USC does that a lot. Like we're on ah. USC, there's tons of that, kind of like what you guys do in SF. Yeah. There was a company called Campus that, you know, yeah. kind of folded, but they were doing, they had 20 homes, these Victorian homes, and they were d- divvying them up. It's interesting because the lo- local co living, as you have today, is really just property management in my eyes ah. because we've got this high barrier to entry with these commercial units, but they're just taking existing residential buildings, they're furnishing them, and they're playing roommate matchmaker with a non annual lease. And that's that's basically what co-living is in like residential mm. buildings. So is it possible? Yeah, absolutely. It still gives people flexibility to not do month. Mm. Um, sorry, multiple months. You have to, minim, month is the minimum. They can't even right. do the short term because they're not in commercial buildings. So that's uh. another kicker. Um, the reason why I could do group housing is seven nights or longer or per night, depending on the, the zoning, is because I'm not in residential. Residential is meant for 30 days and over, and it's got density limits too. And that's the question. Mm. How many people can you legally, not what people are doing, like hacker houses, which are like, kind of under the under table. Under the radar, but yeah. If you're talking about legally investable, um, there's there's density. So if you're a family, you don't really have, it's it's, it's non-related as a single family home, non-related as five people. Got it. But multifamily would be You more. don't allow kids or you do? If somebody wants to have their son or daughter with them, 
that's tricky, right? Because of like running around the stairs. So tricky. we tiny homes, I think, would be the answer for that. I Got think it. I think that's where micro units for couples or professionals and then tiny homes for families and mm. then pods for people just like the boarding house, original use of coming into a city and making your way, not yet setting roots. Once you set roots, I'd love for you to set it in a pod show because you trust the brand. All your t- utilities are paid, like you have a fixed housing cost and you can transfer across the network. So if you start started dating someone and you want to go from the pod to a micro unit, you just pay the difference. You know, you mm-hmm. upgrade. Oh, now she, you're single again. You downgrade. Oh, you're going to Bali. If we don't have a Bali location, you just don't pay for that month. So you got more money in your pocket versus an annual lease where you have to pay two rents. I, I think a housing membership is something no one is um, attacking, but it's an expensive idea. Yeah. What is WeWork doing with their We Live? Yeah. Have you ever toured one or looked at it? And it's in DC area, so they're tw- thirty five hundred a month, which is a huge turnoff. Thirty five hundred a month? That's really high. Wait, that's what you would pay for your own apartment. So why do it? And so yeah, they well, closed uh, it down uh, for research, just because it wasn't working. Um, Star they City's closed like, it down. Yeah, a long time ago. This is like uh. a year ago. Yeah, they they were like it just wasn't. We Live wasn't hitting because it's too expensive. But the, it's because you know these ground up developments are. What is it? Four hundred thousand to five hundred thousand per door for the development. Yeah. But if you look at the stats, forty percent of Americans cannot afford an emergency bill of four hundred dollars or more. Yeah. So there's a huge discrepancy. And so how are these people supposed to afford three hundred dollars? Star City's twenty two hundred dollars, but again, they're more like small. What rooms. is Star City? So Star City raised twenty million. Oh really? And good for them. Um, but they're more like real estate buildings versus commercial. Ah. We're the only ones doing like this commercial short term and long term thing. Everyone's doing thirty days and more. You probably know Common General Assembly founder. Oh really? It makes total sense. Yeah, I mean, you have all these students. Students need housing. I'm gonna open Common, which not only for the students, for everybody, but super smart. And how does Common work? Thirty days or more, but I want to say it's three months. Um, but don't quote me on that. And it is like twenty two hundred and up because it's private. It's that second tier. No one's doing this low like first tier part. I don't know if they think it's too much work, which it is, or they think there's not a market for it, which there is, but they're not touching it. Yeah, see, I would have actually done this. I was a professional, though, in New York, but I think I might have done it. Um, I certainly would have considered it if it was like um, we had screens, Mm because I would want a screen. Yeah. Uh, And if it was maybe not co-ed. Okay, you'd want male only? I think so. You know what San Francisco posture is all men? Is and it it's really? not because of any reason other than uh, San Francisco must be a male city. I guess city. I'm just, I went to boys Catholic school alone. I just always thought like, you know, in living space and maybe it's just like I'm old now and have a weird view of the world but I kind of thought like, you know, there's something nice about the co-ed. I, I remember this one story of a guy from um, Saudi Arabia. Actually, he was with us for two weeks. And at the end of it, he's like, um, you know, I, I was sleeping across from a woman, which is like really no-no, obviously, in their country. Well, uh, yeah, you like know. drive. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. So that's what he said. He was yeah. like, it's really crazy because she'd drive herself to work and then she'd come home and she'd sleep. She'd cook herself dinner. And at the end of two weeks, like, you know, he's just like, isn't this ass backwards because I have to drive my mom to the grocery store? And what's interesting is maybe he goes and runs for office one day. Maybe he goes and votes yeah. in favor of women having. So Mohammed bin Salim stayed at your MBS, <laughs> stayed at your Podchair. I, I think I- he rented out the Four Seasons actually in San Francisco when he came to town. He took over the entire Four Seasons. He didn't stay at a Podchair. No, we're, we're definitely the low economy version. <laughs> what have you changed and evolved in the model over time? What have you learned in this grand experiment now with hundreds of, and you probably have had over a thousand people stay in? Yeah, sixty-five thousand. Sixty-five thousand people have stayed at a Podchair since twenty twelve, and nineteen what people have got a tattoo learned? of the logo. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. hold on. You gotta, <laughs> let's rewind for a second there. 19 people got a, a logo. Pacho tattoo. Do you have the logo as well? I don't. I'm going to be 21. I just need one more person. You want to be it? 
Wait, wait. Oh, you're going to be the 21st, you're saying? <laughs> my lucky number, so. Oh, okay. All right. No, I don't know where. I'm good. No <laughs> tattoos for me. My mom would kill me. Yeah. Um, she's not into tattoos. Um, <laughs> but they believe in the community and the wanderlust concept so much that they've got this icon, which is a home and the share the road sign on top. So it's the top. Oh. Of, so I got it from the, the floors of the city. Uh, share oh, the road cool. for the bicycles. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, it basically doesn't say Patron. It's just like this icon, but it's What have icon. you learned? Um, and what have you tweaked in the model, of, evolved in the model about people living together? I think people, um, because of economic reasons, are willing to give up certain liberties. And um, so I, that's one concept. Two, I think... I think I love seeing the diversity of a pod share and I think other people love it too um, because really you got every single color, age, like size, like everything under the roof at every location. Um, what have I tweaked? The original pod share had drywall and like little space underneath the pod and then we definitely started using wood because it's like feels like a cradle, like a baby cradle versus, and that's also my question about like shipping containers. I'm always like, I don't know about shipping containers because it's like, when do we they're ever horrible. live in metal? Yeah, you know, when do we ever live no, in no, metal? No, it turns out it's like people just think, oh, there's shipping containers everywhere. So that's the better model. It's like um, they're rusted, they're old, yeah. they're dented. Yeah. They are the worst for uh, like doing any kind of temperature yeah. control because they bake in the sun. Right? Uh, and they get freezing cold because it's metal. Yeah, versus wood. And if you want to put a window, you need to weld. Weld it out. I know. It's so, so we, dumb. And it's they, so the dumb. acoustics are terrible. And they're heavy and impossible to move without a crane. Without a, thank you. So the barrier of entry is even higher in those places than it's dumb. going to the lumberyard. That's yard. what you know, Blockable is making their you know units in factories where it's 100% controlled and you're much better building from the bottom up in terms of the cost per door will probably be for blockables. You were talking before, yeah, four or 500, yeah. it'll be a fraction of that. That's like amazing. Maybe half or And the third. time too, right? Well, the time will be cut down by at least half or two thirds. That's great. Because when you build in a factory, you can build 24 hours a day in mm. controlled conditions. Imagine you're building in the field yeah. and oh, it's raining you have to, or, or you have it's to cold. Stop. Yeah, city or, or city ordinances don't let you go past because like or you can't do it on the weekends. And yeah, you and the can't do it before seven a.m. You yeah. can't do it after seven p.m. because people need to sleep. Sleep, yeah. But in a factory, you can go twenty-four hours a day. That's great, and, and there's no rain. And, well, and also if you're cutting materials in a factory, you can cut with special lasers and devices that are perfect. Whereas when you're cutting sheetrock in the field, as you've done, mm -hmm. or uh, plywood, yeah, I've just switched to plywood. You know that it's not always going to be perfect when you cut it nope. and you put it up and go, oh, yeah. we've got to cut another quarter inch yeah. off or, oh, we got to get another piece and cut it again. Maybe we'll do something with this piece. Exactly. If you're doing it in a factory with a water cutter that's laser and mm, you put a piece like of a wood CNC in, machine. it does it perfectly. Yeah, I've seen those. They're really yeah, great. It's pretty amazing to watch what Bloggable is doing. And then there's they can all, because they're perfect down to a hundredth of a right, centimeter. Yeah. This a machine. You could just snap them in place. Amazing. Click, click, click. Amazing. Yeah, you don't have to worry about it. No, that's great. I'd love to, like, that's what... So I'll introduce really you to the founder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's an interesting concept for you. I, I think you're probably, like, probably that would be operators, your... though. I think we're operators. Like, yeah. that's a construction company. I think for us, we're a brand. You know what Yeah, I mean? they're like, developers, actually. They're doing I mean? the pod... They're doing their, you know, pod units, essentially. And they're going to be the developers. So get the ground. So who's going to operate them? Who's going to live in them? Yeah, like, I think they're going to work with other developers to co-develop these, so they're going to be developers as well. But not the know. operators. I don't think they'll be operating. But I think yet. that's what Pacher. I think yeah. Pacher is like we do some construction because yeah. we want to like. It's Your like, dad did the construction. The right? first one. 
And your then, dad helped you build the first one, yeah, then you got professionals team, yeah. in there? No, we do it. M- you do me it. and the girls do it. Really? I, yeah, so you time lapse if you want. Yeah. Oh, so you guys are literally. The girls build it. Yeah. The girls build it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Super. It's like chicks with uh, drills, basically, just like making it happen. Yeah. <laughs> Founders use tons of tools at work, all kinds of hacks to make your business more effective, to make it crisper, and to make better decisions in your business. You're doing all these tools. Well, what about for yourself? What about job number one, your health? Well, sleep is the most important thing for making great decisions in your life. You know this. When you have a bad night's sleep, what happens? Huh? You're cranky. You make bad decisions. You're in a fog. Well, do what I'm doing. Use eight sleep. It is the greatest bed ever engineered and it's engineered specifically to make you sleep better i have the bed i love it and it's increased my energy levels and my moods better everything i'm more productive and you know what i just spent a couple weeks in la doing business i did not sleep as well and i'm thinking am i going to be that crazy guy who sends an eight sleep to like where i'm staying on vacation i might become that guy oh i got home i got in that eight sleep i set it nice and cool and i got such a great night's sleep and you know how i know i got a great night's sleep because i pull out the app and it tells me how many times i tossed i turned and all that kind of stuff that this product is the tesla or the iphone equivalent of a bed it is so sophisticated And it lets you wake up to a thermal alarm, which means you wake up naturally. It just changes the temperature ever so much, and you wake up nice and rested. So here is the call to action. I want you to try it for free for 100 days. And uh, if you don't like it, you send it back. That's it. 8sleep.com slash twist. E-I-G-H-T-S-L-E-E-P dot com slash twist. 8sleep.com slash twist. Supercharge your health and your productivity like I am doing. You are going to love it. 8sleep is an amazing product. I guarantee you, you're going to love this thing. And they guarantee it too. Try it for free. 100 days. You got nothing to lose. 8sleep.com slash twist. You will love it. Okay, let's get back to this amazing podcast. Take no prisoners. No, just, no. We just boom, build it. But it's like Habitat for Humanity because we live in them. So uh-huh. we, we appreciate um, that. But um, to your point, the that sounds really cool, and, it's, and then, then yeah, definitely introduce us. Yeah, I'll introduce you to them. Uh, what else have you learned right. during um, this process? I think like breaking up the payments really means a lot to people. Like I was telling you, the most heartbreaking thing yeah. is people not being able to afford housing and what can we do? I, and the, okay, so the, like I put my money where my mouth is, right? So like one thing I dislike is when someone like has an idea and they put it on paper and then go try to raise money for it. Like I think that's a really bad thing we need to process. We think people need to like put their money into it. They put their sweat into it together. And then later, like then later get money for it. I think people jump into it too quickly Mm -hmm. and they're not like, so, so I'm not a technologist. I cannot go build a website, but I can like fix a toilet. I can check people in. I can make sure that pods are built right. Like there are things that I can do from A to Z and that's the business I want to get into. And that's what I've learned is like, I'm never going to enter a business where I don't know how to fix every single thing in there because I I owe it to any future investors. I owe it to my customers. Uh, You know, I, you know, I just need to know and have not even control, but just the knowledge. Yeah, if you know how it all works, even if you're just 60 or 70% as good of the people you can hire who are experts in that, like there might be somebody who's better at checking people in or a better host or somebody who's better at construction or better at the food in the kitchen. But if you know 60 or 70%, they can't snow you and you can speak their language. And if they and leave- they respect you too, you know? Oh, of course, yeah. Man, when I'm with my team and I'm over there checking people and doing something, I feel like I'm getting respect versus, oh, go do this or go do that, you know? Yeah. So I think it's important. I think a lot of founders aren't aren't getting into you know rolling their sleeves up and, and they're just going for money. 
Yeah, I think bootstrapping and understanding your business means it's real. And yeah. so it's, I'm very interested to see how the venture community looks at what you're doing. I, think, I wonder if they'll think we'll have a cap too much. Because one of the things that we were talking about was that they, you know, with, with the tech, you can put as many people on a server, but in a pod share, you're maxed out at, let's say. Yeah. I mean, and the same is true for Ubers in a city, the number of rides or deliveries of food, you know, it does not scale gracefully. Uber Eats or DoorDash is not like some easily scalable solution getting but you your we were, hamburger I think delivered helped for... us in a way but maybe oh, didn't yeah. help us because they, they proved that a physical space was investable yeah we'll see how their ipo goes right. but yes they are figuring out how to scale office space and you are figuring out how to scale co-living space co-living parents must love you because getting your kids out, out, of, the house. out of the house is like becoming one of the hard things for millennials yeah affording affording housing yeah and i want this to be known as housing and not and, but it's bridge housing essentially right now yeah. because they're moving into apartments but if we had apartments in our inventory then they could try and then buy with the podger model so it all comes down to us as operators having more inventory yeah and how do you source a building yeah, that's a really awesome question because thanks to like the CNN article that we were on, which I think what you guys saw, um, we've gotten tons of landlords reaching out to us being like, take my building, whether it's a residential like apartment building or take my hotel on like downtown. And that's how do we do we say yes to them all and just grow inventory substantially? Do we and then uh, play with the tiers like, OK, depending on what you pay, maybe you're five hundred dollars here, but you're a thousand dollars there. And I think that's where the question of. If we're limited because we're limited on capital, because so therefore we're limited on time, because yeah. basically money buys time, right? Yeah, buys yeah. people. You yeah. can do more stuff with money. Then we have to pick and choose. We have to be a little more choosy. So the yeah. answer is, I want Culver, WeHo, Santa Monica. I don't want Koreatown. I don't want, um, you know, downtown. Like you know, you know, like all, like maybe by Alameda. Like I have to pick and choose. But I, I could do it all and have like a crazy amount of pod shares all over right. the state. You want to pick the ones that people desire and expensive. fit that mission. Expensive places. Expensive, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, well, you can't afford to live there. So meaning if, if outside you can get a place for 50 bucks or $1,000, you're not going to choose Podshare. But so it has to be, let's say, 25 bucks. But then the question is, what are you, what kind of customers are you bringing in at 25 bucks a night? Yeah. Per night range. And, but you could do monthlies and then that's fine. Because it's ultimately 35 bucks a night monthly. If you do $1,000 a month, it's about 35 bucks yeah. a night. Which is pretty affordable. That is two in most of the cities with $15 an hour minimum wage. Right. It's basically two hours, uh, three hour, two to three hours of work per night, get yeah. you your housing. So if you were to work f the fourth, fifth, sixth hour, you would have your food or whatever. And Which is someone include that's like ramen in the fridge and there's uh, yeah. bagels and like cereal. Oh, you provide some food? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, get some. That's why the joke was. And it's like for $1,200, you you don't have to buy toilet paper and you get ramen in the fridge. That was one of like the comments, you know? Ah, uh, um, the but snark. No, but, but really, yeah, the snark. But really, like you can live off of ramen. How many college people have? Yeah, I did. I, I used to buy groceries when I was in college, and it's a it's a then I would go from like you know capellini with sauce and cheese and butter to capellini with butter and cheese to capellini with butter to capellini with water sauce. They should sponsor you. And there was like moments when I was training for the marathon, and I would make capellini and have no olive oil, or butter, or cheese or sauce left, and I would literally eat dry pasta, which is very hard to do. In fact, on the teeth. It's just it's just a hard thing to just eat noodles with nothing the on them. Yeah. With zero on them. No yeah. butter, no olive oil, nothing. 
but you know, that's that's sometimes you got to sacrifice. In order they to cook a lot for each other too. They'll like they'll make, give off the leftovers or they'll leave food behind. And like when you put a sharing economy thing, like all of our uh, cubbies um, that we give free food, it's marked shared, and people uh-huh. add to it. Like I, there's uh-huh. apples and um, you know leftovers and things that I did not put in there yeah. that other people contribute because I the think mentality. The homeless solution is so great. What you're doing, like it'd be so interesting to see if this worked. We integrated two homeless people into the pod share mix. You did. Because the kicker is not to tell you that he's homeless because then you're going to look at him in a certain way. Right. But if you just take him for just the person that paid maybe the same as you, you'll totally feel like you're on the same playing field. That's fascinating. And that's also another point about not upcharging. Like if everyone pays the same amount for housing, like, you know, like you just, we're on the same, it's more equitable. So anyway, this homeless person um, off of a local nonprofit um, was basically housed there. And at the end of the two weeks that we kind of housed him, sponsored him for, he basically said that it was a much more um, inspirational place, like meaning like it wasn't like everyone's down on their luck in the shelters, but here people are like giving out resumes and like um, apartment uh. hunting and like looking for work. And so he was also up and up in arms, like up and at it about like looking for stuff too. Right. It was more inspiring to be there than to be at a homeless shelter where everyone's like, Depressed. Yeah, everybody is yeah just barely above water. Right here, you've got essentially. I'm assuming that the people who are in Podshare are strivers. I would say they're independent for sure. They're looking for something. They're like, I'm a life coach, or I'm a marketer, or I'm a digital nomad. They've they created these terms for themselves and how they pay their rent. Uh, so yeah, they're very like independent and confident people. I feel like, or they're very curious people, like Wonderlust, and they're just there to just explore our city. Yeah. It's interesting. It's so anyway, the, for the homeless uh, population, I feel like it totally could work. If you're not been homeless for a year, because maybe then comes a couple of um, struggles that like just yeah. from being on the street. Yeah, somebody could while. have a substance problem right. or whatever. So no substances, no, no. booze at the space? Or so it's cool. You know, it's just like just pack. like at home. <laughs> you can bring in a bottle of wine. Yeah, yeah. But don't get drunk. Don't get drunk because then inebriation is against the terms of use. Oh, being inebriated. To the point where you're inconveniencing your roommates. Absolutely. You have to have rules and it's not even about male or female. I think like if you have anarchy in a housing or business, I mean, ev- nobody yeah. wants to be there. No one wants to live there. Nobody wants yeah. to work there. So rules are important as much as people can. So glass of wine, okay, but don't totally, get inebriated. Totally. And share, yeah. please. And oh, and share. And please of course. share your bottle. Please because share your come bottle. on, are you really going to finish that bottle? No, definitely not going to finish the bottle. But no shots. Let's keep it to <laughs> no shots. Just keep it. Uh, and you do like entertainment and stuff. You yeah, have music and stuff. Curation is an important piece, but you don't want to push it on people. I think some people like like forced friendship is really strange to me. The, the floor plan is already like a nice way to meet new people. So in the yard at Venice, we host multiple times a month things for people to do in the community because it's great for the neighbors and also for the pod members. Um, and they come and go. We have people that have lived in the vicinity of Podshare, but they like their Wi-Fi is Podshare. We had a marriage, a Podshare marriage. What? Two, two Podshare marriages. Wow. They so met people there. met each other. And they Oh, got there married. you go. So if you're looking for a spouse. <laughs> yeah, not even just roommate. If you're looking could, for the love of your life. <laughs> it could happen on Podshare. Because it's co-ed. Yes. If you were in yeah, a, at I a male's house. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say it's okay to go co-ed. It's right? actually... For young people, I think it's probably fun. Yeah, they're probably looking to meet people, and that's all good. What about theme ones? That actually, to me, theme ones. Well, I was just thinking, like, you know, there are art artist communes or mm-hmm. artist retreats where mm-hmm. artists are sponsored to go. You know, live in upstate New York in one of five cottages and do art for a couple yurts of months and, cool. and yurts and whatnot. If you did one that was just for artists or one that was just for marketers or poets or musicians. Like the pod chair for musicians would be crazy because <laughs> everybody in there would be like, oh, there's a guitar and a piano here. Let's go write some songs. They yeah. might form bands or something. But if it was 
the one for artists they might collect but do you think that creates like that kills the diversity and also creates kind of like this is only white males it could it be a slippery slope into only asians and like yeah (laughs) i don't think so i mean yeah, I'm trying to think of versus the, like oh whatever whatever you're in it's serendipitous we're here right now we're paying the same amount like a lot of time when t- there's cross pollinization is a thing right you're talking about collisions Tony Shea talks a lot about that mm-hmm. with his space just collisions right so somebody who's a sculptor meeting a marketer can make a meeting, video yeah being you know? a videographer like yeah. that could be all be very interesting but also when a group of people are together and they have a shared interest you know that becomes like a scene and they yeah. could then push each other to perform at higher levels. So like the music scene or the art scene in New York, like Andy Warhol's mm-hmm. factory or the music scene in Britain during the, you know, eras of, you know, the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and stuff like that. They all kind of pushed each other a little bit. The New York folk scene yeah. with Dylan and, you know, Joni Mitchell and all them. They all kind of leveled each other up. Yeah. Um, so that it actually could work if you did a music only one or something like that. I and wondering... I don't think it would create a diversity problem. It would just create a concentration of excellence. Of t- while you were here. I wonder if that data, the, the pod map as we call it, yeah. can show like how many musicians are in the space or in yeah. all of the pod shares. So yeah. maybe you go there to meet that person could yeah. be a thing. Neat. Becky was saying, what about floors? Like if you had like, did have a bunch of like, this is like, yeah. yeah so The music floor. It could be. I just wonder floor. if my occupancy would go down. It you know would, what I you mean? It would be hard to, yeah, you'd be limiting the group. Yeah, you might be able to charge an extra 200 though, for the music one, or, if it's got a piano and What a about studio. housing laws? I wonder if they're like, that's discriminatory. Yeah, it doesn't have to be that you have to be a musician. Just interested. Interest in music, yeah. So you could have that one, could be $200 extra, and you could put a music studio in there <laughs> yeah. so people could record. So we have it that in can... Hollywood, and it's- Oh, important. you do? Yeah, we're trying to like, just like one price gets you everything, and if you want this, you go here. If you want that, you go there. Bicycles at each location. Like you have transportation, you have like, yeah. we, all of our computers have uh, Adobe CC, so you uh, can have, you can create oh, a neat. content creator, yeah. you know, just something simple like that, but we don't like advertise it. It's just like included in go the membership. Chrome. Go Chrome boxes, and Chrome everybody boxes. can log in. We have Roku's. We have Roku's. That's great. And then everybody shares their Netflix. Yes. Or you or have a have, house we have, we have pods. We have different oh, accounts for Hulu, Netflix, uh, Spotify. Pandora, Spotify. So you don't even need to use your mom and dad's Spotify or Netflix anymore. We got you. All right. Oh, you have to Nephew, share. Nick, you can get off mom's uh, yeah. Netflix Never. now. You, you can stay on mom's share. Netflix forever. All right. <laughs> Listen, Elvina uh, Beck, CEO and co-founder and... Sheer force of will at PodShare. It's uh, delightful to meet you and uh, hear uh, about this crazy project <laughs> that is hitting scale yeah. off of your grit and your sweat equity. Very impressive from Thank one you. founder to another and an investor. It's very inspiring to see somebody just do it and yeah. not give. Wait for anybody. Just yeah, don't wait. You're either creating or you're waiting and you're a creator. Yeah, producer or consumer. What are you? Yeah, producer. Yeah. But I do a little consumption on the side. I know. I'm good. All right. I love a good beer. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We'll see you all next time on this week's service. Bye bye.